Things are quiet now. The hustle and bustle of the day are over. You can turn your attention to the things of the day that need your undivided attention. This is Dan Perkins, and this is Dan After Dark. In addition to the Black and White Network, I appear on several other networks as either guest host or contributors, and this show will bring to you some of those appearances. So let's slow down and focus on the important issues. If you go to the homepage, blacksandwhites.us, you can hear my shows on this network. So sit back and take a sip of your favorite beverage and enjoy the show. And thanks for listening. This is Dan Perkins. To say hello again and start our show again. It's showtime. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. This is Charlotte County Speaks, your chance to let your voice be heard on local, state, and national issues. And now, broadcasting live from a dumpy little warehouse behind a Taco Bell, the host of Charlotte County Speaks, Ken Lovejoy. News Radio 1580 and 100.9 FM, WCCF, this is Charlotte County Speaks, I am Ken Lovejoy, it is Monday, (laughs) and the phone lines are open, whatever you wish to discuss at 941-206-1580, toll free, 888-441-1580. It is National Lemon Juice Day, Uh, according to Hoyle Day, whatever the hell that is, and let's all, uh, what was that? Chung King. Let's go get, Let's go to the store, get some Chung King. National Chop Suey Day. Dan Perkins on the horn. Dan, how you doing? I'm good. Is that, is that a comment about me, like National Chop Suey Day? <laughs> well, I, in my uh, uh, formative radio days after getting out of the Navy and I wasn't making any money, uh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Chung King, that uh, – that chop suey that they had, you know, the two cans yeah. that came to you. Oh, yeah. boy, that was that was a staple in my household. Hey, Dan, we're going to do to you like we did last week, and we'll be right back after this. How dare you fill my head with such loathsome propaganda. More propaganda coming up with Ken Lovejoy and Charlotte County Speaks on News Radio 1580 WCCF. News Radio 1580, 100.9 FM, WCCF 1014 on a Monday with Dan Perkins on the line. How you doing, sir? I'm fine, thank you. And yourself? Good, good. Thank you. Good weekend? So, yeah, busy weekend. Uh, I just finished uh, a commentary, which should go out today. Um, I've been uh, uh, really angry at uh, more so than I have been, I guess. Um, at this uh, college loan situation, student loan situation. Um, There's a lot of misconception. Uh, In fact, on uh, my Blacks and White shows this afternoon, uh, which will be broadcast later in the day or or next next couple of days, I have the director of development for Cambridge credit when he's going to talk about the, uh, the the student loan provisions and what's going on. Uh, I, I am absolutely appalled that the, there are congressmen, senators, and everybody across the media talks about this being 
a handout. And what what people don't understand is the the program is going to cost. Well, Biden can't figure it out, but anyway, it's going to cost probably uh, somewhere between five hundred billion and a, and a trillion dollars, not the three hundred billion that Biden's telling us. But but they they don't know how to pay for it. If I may, the Biden administration has come out flat out and said we we don't know how, how we're going to pay for this program, but there isn't really anything to pay. And the reason why I'm, I'm making this point is that they're using the words that would indicate to some people that there must be money going to change hands, uh, handout payments, uh, uh, entitlements. All of these words are being used uh, in the media by both government officials and the, and the press. Uh, and I, I've been talking to people uh, especially young people, how many think, well, if there's a $10,000 forgiveness, am I going to get the 10, I think I'm going to get the 10,000, uh, had 10,000 or 20,000 back. No, you're not. There's not going to be any government checks like the pandemic. No. There's not going to be money coming from the federal government to you, to you put in your bank account. No, it's not going to happen. You know what they're going to get? So, Dan, Dan, if I may, uh, in my mm-hmm. opinion, in my opinion, this whole scenario, is what you call a midterm ass kiss and it's going to fizzle out after November. And then that's when everybody's going to say, going to start as Pelosi already said, Biden doesn't have the authority to do what he's doing. This has to be a major act of Congress. And I don't right. think they're going to, they're going to be able to pull it off. I think mansion, no, that, mansion and cinema are going to vote for this one either. And, and so this well, is a, just a big ass kiss and it's going to fade away after November. Well, I think I, I, I pretty much agree with you. However, um, when the government, Biden said he was fulfilling a campaign promise. Now, I know this is, this is difficult to understand that the president said in his campaign over two years ago that he wanted to do something on student loans. It's now 18 months later that he's been in office, and all of a sudden, they're making a big a big push on student loans. Midterms. But, but they don't know how to pay for it. So what have they been doing for the last 18 months? Has anybody studied to figure out how they're going to pay for it? No, because it's not important. The message is more important than the, the reality. There you go. The message is, we're, gonna, we're going to alleviate student loans. Yep. Well... Let me give you the wake-up call to those of you who are listening that have student loans. Because of the decline in interest rates, the fixed-rate, fixed-term student loan refinance on the surface made more sense than the variable-rate loan, which was reset every year, and you had to qualify and all kinds of crazy stuff. So people, students opted for the fixed-rate, fixed-term loan. Now, what they don't know yet is that if the government figures out a way to forgive $10,000 of your loan, your payment is not going to go down. You, you just, you'll just pay it off sooner. Yeah. 
So you're going to pay the same monthly payment. You, you, <laughs> I want to be, I'll make sure they hear what I'm saying here. You're going to be paying the same monthly payment that you weren't making because of the pandemic and the suspension of payments. So when you, when they start collecting it again in January, your payment's not going to go down, even if you get a $10,000 or $20,000 relief. Yeah. They See, don't understand that. They don't understand that. They're lying. Um, they're li- They're being lied to, just like Manchin was lied to. But Manchin fell for it, so you know damn well the kids are going to fall for it. No question. No question. And this idea that, we, well, we don't really have responsibility for our actions because we're young and stupid. And... Therefore, we shouldn't have to pay these loans. And and if you look at in the article, I talk about what has happened now, and it um, some really st- scary statistics. And we're, as we g- begin to think about who's behind pushing this forgiveness issue, one study I showed I saw says that forty percent forty percent of the people who have Student loans never finish college. Yeah, that sounds in about fact, right. That in, sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If if you if you look at the, the percentage of enrolled students who finish a four year program in four years, thirty three percent. If you go out six years, it jumps to around fifty percent. So we have millions of young people who have decided to take out student loans, who never finished college, and now they have this debt burden they signed to go to school, and, didn't and go to the, school, and whatever reason. on their shoulder every and time they, they get they, the bill. They don't think they should have to pay for it. No. In fact, they expect somebody else to pay for it. Of course, yeah. <laughs> of course. And, and again, I, you know, I, I've said to you and many times on lots of programs, that the Democrats are very poor chess players. They don't have the ability to look beyond today. They didn't think about what was the what would the blowback be to parents who who mortgage their homes or their retirement accounts to pay for their children's college as, and have the child drop out of college, and they and they got stuck with the debt or the parent loans or, or whatever. The 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 aunts and uncles and 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 brothers and sisters who have all helped to try and put somebody through school who left school and never went back and never finished and now is stuck with his debt. It's anger. It's creating anger in the people who are not covered by this buy-off. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have, I didn't have huge student loans, but I did have, I had about 15 grand worth and it's all paid off. You know, I paid mine. Mm-hmm. Millions of other people have paid theirs off. Why are these whiny right. little bastards uh, deserving of uh, uh, screwing up our economy and causing more inflation? Because there's the, what you said. That's the kind of people they are. They feel that they're <coughs> entitled to other people's money. Well, they're, they're, and that other there's people, the K-12 other education should... problem again. I'm sorry. That's there. There's the K-12 education problem again. Yes, I mean, and, and so you know, when we when we sign to lease or buy a car, or we sign to rent or buy a house, we give the lender 
our promise to pay. And if we get into trouble and we can't pay, then there are provisions that help the lender try and recover. But in this case, if they can't pay, they don't want to pay. In fact, they want the government, which is all the other people. Interesting thing is I discovered as I was doing my research. The principal reason why student loan debt is up so high is that it's now taking six years to complete a four-year degree. <laughs> well, yeah, the first two so years of college is to finish high school. <laughs> right. And so if you have to attack on two more years of schooling and two more years of debt, on average, with tuition, room, and board, and fees, and all that stuff, you would be adding an additional $91,000 in debt. Ouch. Hey, so we have a we have a question. Six years. We have a question it, from it, a listener. If uh, maybe you know this, I don't know. Uh, is the student is the portion of the student loan that's going to be forgiven? Say this ten thousand dollars. Is the IRS going to make you count that as income? No, they're not okay. because they, the the provision. It wouldn't in, surprise the me if they did. Order specifically <laughs> exempted from taxable income. Ah, okay. However, however. As you pointed out earlier in the program, <clears throat> Nancy Pelosi said she doesn't believe the president has the legal power he doesn't. To, to, to waive it. So there are going to be uh, charges, challenges in the courts, mm-hmm. but I heard as many as 43 are in the works. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but I think that more and more information will be coming out about what the people don't know. It, it's the thing that was amazing to me, Ken. On the day the president signed the bill, he was talking in terms of uh, <clears throat> $300 billion was the cost. <laughs> Within three days after he signed, excuse me, signed the executive order, the estimate went to $500 billion. Jeez. And now there are people who are saying over 10 years it could be a trillion dollars. Yeah. And who was it? Was it Karen so, Jean Pierre <laughs> who said who during, somebody one of them, somebody from the administration said during a press conference that President Biden had sat down uh, over the weekend to crunch the numbers and uh, mm-hmm. and it's 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 not gonna it's not gonna cause any more inflation. It's not gonna raise the debt. It's 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 good. It's good. Trust Joe. Well, you know when a when a person signs a lease payment or a purchase payment for a car or for a house, if you can't make the, the payment, then you go into foreclosure. Yes. And the, the lender gets the ability to take back the collateral. Well, the collateral in a student loan is the student's promise to pay. How do you take that back if they don't? Well, you ruin their credit score is what you do, Eric, Dan. Right. Who cares? <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they don't. Right. They don't care. Right. Right. And, 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 and it's clear that, <clears throat> that again, the, the Biden administration personnel don't know how to play chess. They don't, they don't know how to anticipate or move forward <clears throat> and have any thought to the ramifications of what could happen in the decisions that they're making. And I, I know, think that, we, that stems... We, we remembered the, the, the terrible disaster at the Afghanistan mm-hmm. <clears throat> 
airport where 13 Americans died. A year ago. They didn't, the administration and the State Department, which was responsible for the exit, didn't think about the consequences. They didn't think anything about the $85 billion in weapons that were at the military airport that they just literally walked away from, gave to the Taliban. And here we are a year later, and women are being dramatically diminished in that country under Taliban and the Sharia law. And, uh, and does the world care? I don't think so. I mean, we're talking about sending billions of dollars more to Afghanistan, um, to the Taliban. And, Why? And we have to the send it to Zelensky. And, within that, uh, and there are now people saying that the, the mistake was so horrendous in Afghanistan that we, could, we, sh- we have to be prepared to be attacked Oh, hell Literally yes. Literally at any moment. Hell yes. Yeah, I mean, but again, uh, you know, uh, it, it does. It, I just think that they're so arrogant and so beyond caring what anybody thinks about what they're doing. I think the whole Afghanistan thing was a, by design. I think somebody, well, I think they did this on purpose. They deliberately did it on purpose, and they don't care that the Taliban has that. They And I, when you look at it, what has their response been since then? Just bury it and move on. They don't care. Right. And until right. Un, un, yeah. t- until we take back enough elections to make them care or to get in their face in a way to make them care, they're not going to care, and they're going to continue to do this stuff to us and the world. Right. Uh, I, I totally agree. And, and, and so that, that – um we we have to understand <clears throat> Americans need to understand that the Biden administration doesn't care about us. It's their agenda and what they want to do. And it, we're not smart enough to figure out they are the elites. They should rule the world and they don't care about us. They don't or what we think. They are the domestic enemy that millions of us swore an oath to protect our country from. Mm hmm. And it ain't happening. It's not happening. Nope. <clears throat> so, um, so we got we got we got this the student loan stuff, and it, it it'll have a relatively short cycle as more and more people begin to complain, and they're hearing more and more in the polling data that the 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 lo- the list that they thought they were going to get by voters <clears throat> ain't going to happen because. A lot of those people who are potential voters are the people who are being stiffed by this this uh, executive order, yeah. and they've they've risked their their pensions, their house equity, and everything else to try and give their children an opportunity. <clears throat> and Biden doesn't care, and and you know they're making it harder and harder for the Democrats to want to believe in him. <clears throat> but it appears that. Uh, did you see um, yesterday that uh, Beta O'Rourke in Texas was just, I need to take some time off from campaigning. It's been too strenuous. Oh, poor and, little Beto. <laughs> Maybe you can go cuddle up. So Maybe you can I, go I, cuddle up with Fetterman up in Pennsylvania. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Well, then there was, there was a story over the weekend that the, um, that <clears throat> the Democrats now have the uh, lead in the generic ballot sure. for Congress. Yeah, sure they do. And, well, you know, and... And there are people who are stipulating, who are saying that, who don't understand or are unwilling to admit that it's all basically uh, uh, rhetoric on the part of the Democrats yes. to try and bolster the base that they that they're going to win. Yeah, and they're not going to win. Well, they're not going to win. No, no, <laughs> I, I don't think. I think they're going to get slaughtered in states that still have election integrity. And uh, but you're, you know, this is as we're heading in. This is one of the main reasons I just I don't watch local or national news because from now until november all you're going to be hearing is the latest polls oh it's dark days for the gop their big wins are sliding away from them you know even mitch mcconnell says they don't have electable candidates they're going to be using everything they can to demoralize you to keep some of you from having the will to go out and vote but the bottom line Mm -hmm. is this is a this is a party that is desperate they're angry, they're fearful, they're fearful of you, the American people, and they're getting desperate. So you can expect crap mm-hmm. like this on the news all the way up until November, and then they'll take a couple of months off and then kick it back into gear for the 2024 election. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, I know we're out of time. I just got one little thing I want to tell you. Okay. If, if you go to blacksandwhites.us, Mm-hmm. I have a new show on the network. Oh, cool! But you have to be up. You have to be up late at night to hear it. Aww. It's called. <laughs> you can you can download it as a podcast, okay. but it, it's yeah. it's a show that's broadcast on Wednesday nights at twelve thirty. Oh, you're hitting into George Nori time there, dude. Uh, yeah, we're I'm gonna have to download it. <laughs> yeah, because uh, the show is called Dan After Dark. Okay, that sounds cool. And and what I'm doing is uh, like your network. Your show is not on my network, but it will be because I'm going to get segments of your show and rebroadcast it in the Dan After Dark series. Which I have already so, given you permission uh, to do. Pardon? Which I have already given you permission to do. Yeah, and I, I think uh, the reaction has been been really good uh, because it helps people like you get an opportunity to piggyback off of my network to hear what's going on. Riding the coattails uh, of Dan hear, And hear about you. Yeah, that's fine. That's that's cool. Good line. Best of luck. I I'm, I look forward to downloading it and checking it out. Cause I, All right, sir. I'm, uh, unless it's on, unless if it comes on at like 4.30 in the morning, then I could probably catch it. You know, because I'll just no, be getting up. No. <laughs> the original is at 12.30 and right. uh, I can't tell you what the re-broadcast re- re- time is, but uh Blacksandwhites.us and look for Dan After Dark. Okay. And so are we on next Monday or are we off? Uh, we are off next Monday, sir. We are off next Okay, Monday. good. Uh, so, well, enjoy uh, your long weekend. So we can talk to you on Tuesday, though, same time. You want okay, to do, I'll, do call, like I'll call it. 
I'll, no, I'll call in on Tuesday. Okay, Super. excellent. Thank you, sir. Once again, danperkins.guru, ladies and gentlemen. You can find all his writings there. If you want to check out his philanthropic endeavor, check out songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. And like he was just talking about, he's got two great shows on one great uh, channel there, blacksandwhites.us. Check it out. Dan Perkins, thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, sir. Take care. No Bye. doubt about it. You have become a great showman. Ken Lovejoy's coming right back with more Charlotte County Speaks on News Radio 1580 WCCF.
Blinken has embargoed all southern cotton. Can't be shipped anywhere. They, they've got ships, Navy ships that are stopping them from getting in. The price of cotton, which was before the war, six to eight cents a pound, is now three dollars a pound, if you can get it. So the Merchants Association is called to an emergency meeting. The unemployment rate in Manchester is over 25%. Poverty abounds. Crime is up. And they sit, they get together and they're talking about the, the, the devastation that this war in America has caused to them. And the head of the Merchants Association stands up and says the following. I want to introduce you to Ian McKenzie. We are going to hire him to go to the United States and kill the president and get our cotton. That's the pro. I can't hear you, Jim. I said, holy smokes. <laughs> that is amazing. So this guy is a hired assassin. He's killed over 50 people in Europe, mostly in England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. But he's a professional killer. And he is very cautious about what he does. He spends a lot of time. And um, so the head of the Merchants Association is meeting with him to find out the details and what does he want to kill Lincoln? The largest fee he's ever charged. I'm not going to tell you how much. That's, that's in the book. <laughs> that's in the book, yes. That's in the book. Uh, largest fee, and and uh, the head of the Merchant Association said, oh my God, that's an enormous amount of money. I said, he said, Do you, don't you have an enormous business that's at risk here? Yes. So they agreed to pay, and he goes, gets on a ship in Liverpool, goes into Canada, <laughs> and he gets there in November because he wants to work his way down Undercover. Oh, uh, okay. He doesn't want to come in, in into an East Coast port in the United States because he doesn't want to raise any attention. So yeah. he goes into into Canada, checks in a hotel, meets a young woman, and, and they both kind of fall in love. And he works all the way through the winter and into the spring where he's working on his shooting skills. Uh, he joins that uh, a shooting club, and uh, and he's practicing with pistols and rifles, so that because he has no idea how he's going to kill Lincoln at the moment, but he wants to make sure that his skills are superb. And he has to, he ultimately has to leave, and he leaves his love and says he, he hopes he can come back. He can't tell her what his mission is, other than it's dangerous. Stops in Boston and uh, meets a very famous abortionist or uh, abolitionist attorney in in Boston. I'm not going to tell you his name. <laughs> and um, uh, he talks with him about uh, the war and abolition and slavery, and and uh, he meets another woman who is a very famous author of Uncle Tom's Cabin. She's in the book. And they, she he talks with her about what was going on. 
And he works his way and he finally gets into Washington, D.C. And he's staying at a hotel down the street from the White House. And he's looking at the White House and he's looking at it from his hotel. And he's got a very, very powerful, very accurate rifle, but it's only good up to about 500 yards. So he goes downstairs and literally almost puts his back on the hotel and starts pacing to the White House to see how far a shot he would have to shoot Lincoln coming out of the front door of the White House. Wow. And he turns around and as he starts to walk back to the hotel, not paying attention, and he gets knocked down. And he's laying on his back looking up in the sun and this big hand comes out and said, I'm sorry, and can I help you up? And it's Abraham Lincoln who helps him get up off the street. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Holy now, smokes. So so why why did you decide that you just had to write a Lincoln book after there's so many of them out there? Um I I I was and am a an avid admirer of Lincoln, uh, and and a, an avid student of the Civil War, and I, I was never so much involved in the battles as much as I was in the people and the decisions that they made during the war. Yeah, uh, and and there's a lot of people that are well known in this book where we get an intimate look into them and their decision-making process, their um, frustration and anger and jealousy of Lincoln becoming president. And, uh, and, and it's a situation where then things turn again. And what happens is, as our assassin has made his way into Washington, D.C., the, as the book is titled Abraham Lincoln and the Other Assassin, or the Second Assassin, yeah. the other assassin, John Wilkes Booth, who lives in Maryland, outside of the city of Washington, D.C., takes the train from Baltimore into Washington, D.C. to go to Ford's Theater where he's performing. That particular train stop is very, very dangerous because the city of Baltimore is torn between the Confederacy and the North. And so it has not been uncommon for trains to be ransacked, burned, people hurt. So he gets on the, gets on the train and he goes to his compartment. This is Booth. He goes to his compartment and there's somebody sitting in his compartment. And he was supposed to have a private compartment. And it's Ian McKenzie, sitting in Booth's compartment. They sit down, and they start a conversation, and they talk about each other and what they're doing, and they actually start a friendship. <laughs> I'll tell and, you, you, you've got quite the book here, my friend. <laughs> well, it's, it's two, two books, and it's, it's um, people who read the book uh, I, I, their, their initial reaction is, well, is this true? Is this true? Is this true? Is this fake? Is this true? What, 
where is it where does the line part between fact and fiction and I say to them you figure it out because my job as a novelist in telling a story is to tell a story that's compelling and makes you want to turn the page and so if I have to create what I would call probable events as opposed to actual events that makes sense it makes the book more interesting and people get very interested in the book it's the same kind of reaction I had with sad eyes people who read I have read sad eyes I tell them they shouldn't start it after nine o'clock at night because as I mentioned to you before I write in very short chapters sometimes a chapter can be one page and I do it purposely because I say to the, I want the reader to say, well, I'll, this is short. I'll read another one, one more. <laughs> and they keep turning the page. And so they're up all night reading. That's why I say don't start after night because after nine, because you will be up. You'll they're be hard up. to put down. Got cliffhangers. Um, and, and, and sometimes the cliffhangers aren't totally resolved until the second book. Um, but it, it's, it is a, um, I think it is different enough that it will be able to distinguish itself because it's just, it's not so much a story. There are, there are sections in the book where we concentrate on Lincoln, but really it's more the story of the second assassin. Yes. And his, his relationship yes. with Booth, because neither one of them know that the other is the assassin. It's amazing. Have you had anybody approach you about turning this into a movie or a TV show or anything? Yes. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, this, this, is, this, is, this would be a barn burner, as they say. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's, um, it, in, in both Sad Eyes and Lincoln... Uh, they were the first two, I told you on uh, our previous interview, uh, when I was writing the fourth book in the Brotherhood trilogy, I had written half of it in first person, half in, in third person, and my publisher said, you got to get rid of the third person. So that was really the first novel that I published in first person. These two, uh, Sad Eyes and Lincoln and the Second Assassin, are our first person. And for some people... There are a lot of people who have not had the experience of reading a book written in first person because a lot of people's favorite authors always write in third person. Well, I'll tell you. But, you... but the, uh, to put you in the middle of, of Forge Theater, I'm not giving it away, or on a, on a train coach coming from Baltimore to Washington, D.C., or, or, or the, 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 the team of people that work with Booth who are trying to figure out how they're going to help Booth uh, do what he wants to do with Lincoln, the trips to Canada by, by Booth, the trips to Richmond to meet with Jefferson Davis and talk about the idea of assassinating Lincoln and his, his acquiesce to do it, which is true. Um, yeah. But... But it's 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 there's a lot of things that a lot of people know, but there's an equal amount of stuff that people don't know, 
Yes. And stuff that I actually created. And, and um, uh, so you, you get a real, you get a sense of, in, a, in, in many respects, what it's like to be a professional assassin. Because we understand and see how he thinks and he works and how he does stuff. But he's also a human being. He's in love with this woman and uh, who's in Canada. And he doesn't know whether he's ever going to get back to see her again. And she and she him. And so there's the intertwining of all these stories about people under the concept of the second assassin. And and when I when I when I told tell people the the story about the book, they said, I'm sure there was more than one assassin. And but there's to my knowledge, I haven't been able to find a book that is written about a, another assassin yeah. and his relationship with the first assassin, the yeah. real assassin. And um, uh, I had somebody tell me when they finished the book, and and they 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 said, I, "There's no way I would I would ever challenge you to get your get my money back because I read it and I just when I finished the last page." I just sat in my chair. <laughs> I was dumbfounded. I was I was amazed at how you ended it, but I was dumbfounded that I couldn't see as a as a professional reader how I couldn't see that coming. But I didn't. And it that was that was made it so surprising uh the way you ended the book. And and so um part of being a writer is is to engage people um but you can't write a hundred percent. I think I told you I rode sad eyes while I was writing Lincoln because yeah. I, I needed, yeah. I needed a break because the Lincoln book was so intense because I was, I was so intent on getting it done. Uh, but I, you know, I had a friend of mine when I first started writing, good friend used to work for me. And then we became friends after I left and he left. And, um, we were talking about uh, the the Brotherhood books, and I said to him, uh, "You know, I never know how many pages should be." And he said, "Look, let the story tell you the number of pages. Don't try and write to two hundred and fifty or three hundred and seventy-five or four hundred and twenty. Tell the story, and if the story's too wordy, then you can cut it. You can cut it back. Yeah. But let the story tell." Let the people get the full richness of your talent by putting all the words on the paper to make the story so compelling, so engaging, so mystifying, and so entertaining. We have got Dan Perkins with us today. And as we uh, wrap up here with Dan, how do we get the book and get in touch with you and everything? Okay, well, you can, you can buy a lot of my original books. Uh, at Amazon.com, um, Sad Eyes and Abraham Lincoln and the Second Assassin, I believe, are on uh, Amazon and all the normal places. Uh, but there's a special deal with the publisher called Hollis Hollis Media at HollisMedia.com. They've taken both books, the two Lincoln books and the Sad Eyes book, and put them in a special package. Not only a special package, special pricing, and a way that you can finances so it's affordable to buy 
Well, Dan, this has been a, uh, another great interview, and uh, I look forward to talking to you soon. What is your next book? I'm working on a new book, uh, and I think I mentioned to you last time, um, I write up here first before I put it on paper. Yeah. So I'm writing right now the new book. And it's a single word title. The title of the new book is called Evil. Fantastic. Well, Dan, I will talk to you next Tuesday. Thanks for doing this, my friend, and I will talk to you soon. Right. Now, um, you didn't send me the copy of the first one. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll resend it. Well, uh, send that one and, and then this one when you're done. I will send it over. I will send okay. them over here in just a few. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it, brother. There he goes, the fantastic Dan Perkins. I'll tell you that we send it. Sometimes that thing just does not work. <laughs> it says it sends files and it does not. Okay, we are going to do this. We are going to wrap things up here. And uh, we will inevitably see you next time.